Oh, good morning. Good to see all of you this morning here in the auditorium. Good to have you joining us from your homes by live stream this morning as well. We're going to be in the book of Numbers to start out with, Numbers chapter 14, and then jump to Joshua chapter 14. Numbers 14 and then Joshua 14 this morning. We're going to be looking at a man named Caleb this morning. Every once in a while, as you study the Word of God, there is a character that so stands out that God wants to put a spotlight on in order to inspire and motivate his people. And today is one of those days where though we are in the book of Joshua looking at how God wants to move a group of people, that there is someone that he also wants to say, but here's an example for you to follow, and we're going to learn why Caleb is such a great example for us to follow today. Um, a unique figure. Uh, again, someone that stands out to us. Let's be reminded of a few things that we're going to see in Joshua 14 later on. First of all, in the context of when this conversation between Caleb and Joshua is taking place in Joshua 14, he's now 85 years old, okay? Still going strong for the Lord, and we'll talk about that. He's been wandering around in the desert, in the wilderness all those years with that generation that did not believe, even though he was one of the few that did believe in God. The Bible tells us that he was 40 years of age when Moses sent him to spy out the land, which then tells us something about him. He was actually then born as a slave in Egypt, yet he died a hero. Think about that. Born a slave, died a hero. That's a reminder to us that it's not as important how we start the race as how we finish. And uh, maybe some of you can be encouraged by that. Maybe the start of your life or even the start of your Christian life wasn't the greatest. That's okay. It's more important that we finish well. And that's where God wants to get all of us today. He was moving this group of people towards the promised land. He had so much for them to experience with him on this earth, even before he brought them to glory. But many of them, most of them, missed out on all that God had for them because they lacked the faith. They lacked the trust, they lacked the belief in their God that a few had. And Caleb was one of those that had that kind of faith. So I've seen in the passages we're going to look at seven characteristics of Caleb that make him a standout servant of the Lord. And you and I can have these same qualities in our own life as well. And I want to begin just with one verse back in Numbers 14. It's verse 24. Now let me just give us a little bit again of the context here of Numbers 14. God is basically saying to Moses here, 
because of the unbelief of this generation, because they lack faith in me, they're going to die in the wilderness. They're going to wander for 40 years because that's what happens when we don't trust God. We wander. We're very restless. We have no stability in our life. And therefore, we spend our life wandering. Instead of living purposefully, we live aimlessly. And we're just out there wandering, okay? But God said, but Caleb was different because Caleb believed and trusted and had faith in me. Therefore, in verse 24, notice what God says about Caleb. Only my servant Caleb, because he had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring him into the land where he had gone and his descendants will possess it. Caleb was a distinguished worshiper of God. Distinctive. He stood out. And the very first characteristic that we see here that God points out about Caleb was he had a different spirit. He had a unique and rare disposition in him that set him apart from others. First of all, it reminds us that Caleb was okay with being different. So often as Christians, we struggle with that. Though we know we're unique creations of God and that God celebrates diversity, many times when we're born into this world, we don't want to be different. We don't want to stand out. We, we want to, you know, just sort of conform to everyone around us, and, and we want that uniformity. But God appreciates and celebrates those who are willing to be different, not just to be different sake, for different sake. Because there are people in the world, they are just going to see how everybody else is and that they're going to be different because they want to stand out for a different reason. They want to stand out to magnify themselves. They want to stand out to draw attention to themselves. That's why they choose to be so different. But that's not the kind of different we're talking about here. We're talking about someone who chooses and is okay with being different to magnify God, to bring attention to God, not to themselves. And that was Caleb, you see. Different spirit. It reminds me of Job, where God's having that conversation with Satan. And God says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one else like him on the earth. Job stood out in his day. He was different. And primarily these two men and others in the Bible who did stand out were different because they not only had a different spirit, but notice what it says again about Caleb in verse 24. He followed God fully, wholeheartedly. There was no like holding back. He was all in with God. There was no dilution to his devotion. He was wholeheartedly following the Lord. God came first. God was the priority. Because he had a different spirit. You and I need to be okay with being different and standing out in our world to magnify God. See, God wants to see that there are people 
who, who he can make, in a sense, conspicuous. Not, again, to draw attention to ourselves, but to draw attention to God, the God who's in us, the God who's behind us, the God who is our hope, our joy, our love, our peace, and all of that. That's why God wants to make us conspicuous. But so often we as Christians lack the courage to be different, and therefore we just sort of are like that turtle that retreats into its shell and doesn't want to put ourselves out there because, you know, that makes us vulnerable, and that opens us up to criticism, and that opens us up to so many other things and, and conflict and all that, and we don't want that, so uh, we're coming back well the thing that made Caleb different was he was okay with being different and you and I need to be okay with being different Jesus said marvel not to his disciples if the world hates you it hated me before it hated you and even amongst Christians because Caleb was amongst the people of God he was even different amongst the people of God there weren't many people of God like Caleb, that's okay too. You might be running hard after God and pursuing God more than anybody else in your family, more than anybody else in your church, more than anybody else in your community or whatever. That's okay. And yes, I understand too that sometimes what that means is that can be a very lonely place to be. You feel all alone because there's not many people like you God understands that. God will give you a special blessing for being willing to be such a standout person, you see. Because he understands you might be all alone. There might not be many like you. You might be able to look up and not find many even other Christians who are running alongside of you because you're just different. But he in his love and mercy and grace, he'll be with you in a special way and he'll at least give you one other person to sort of partner with that you can identify with each other in some way. That, that was Joshua to Caleb. Joshua was that friend through time, trial, and triumph for Caleb. They had each other when they might not have had anyone else. So the first characteristic that made Caleb such a special servant of God was he had a different spirit than others. Then I want you to turn over to the book of Joshua now, chapter 14, beginning at verse 6. What is going on in the context now is that we saw a couple weeks ago when we were back in Joshua that they had conquered at least parts of all of the land that God wanted to give them, not the entire thing. They never did. But they were able to subdue and break the power of the Canaanites and the Amorites, and they had at least control of parts of all the land that God wanted to give them. So now they were in the, the middle, if you will, of allotting the land, of, of parsing it out and saying, you know, this tribe go here and this, this family go here and, and to take their possession because God wants his people to take possession of all that he has for us. And so I want to pick it up, though, in verse 6, where again we see this radiant faith, if you will, of Caleb shining forth. 
And it says that Caleb approached Joshua with other men of Judah, and he comes up to Joshua and he says, you know what the Lord said. First of all, notice something cool there. Caleb is counting on the fact that Joshua is familiar with the word of God. That's cool. It, it, it's nice when you have, again, the, a friend or a partner or whatever, that, that you're both familiar with the word of God and you can, you can reference each other to the word of God and, and you can share the word of God and all of that. that was, and then he says, you know what the Lord said about you and me. There again, he's pointing out, you know, we had each other. Might not have been a lot of people like us, Joshua, but there was you and me. And here's what Moses, the man of God, said to us at Kadesh Barnea, which, by the way, was that large desert oasis that was sort of the central headquarters during the 40 years of wandering. It's where they would always come back to in their 40 years going around the desert. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the Lord's servant, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy on the land and I brought back to him an honest report. Again, that verse then tells us if Caleb was 40 years old when Moses sent him that he was born in Egypt, born as a slave, still in bondage, but again would die a hero. Now when he went in and spied out the land, he says, I came back, and notice what it says there. It says, I gave him an honest report, literally in the Hebrew. It is, I shared with him what was in my heart. So the second characteristic that makes Caleb a special servant of the Lord is he had a trusting heart. A trusting heart. Not just a different spirit, but a trusting heart. You see, God wants to impact our head and our heart. It's like here at the Oasis. The way we choose to do worship under Nicole's leadership and the way we choose to teach the word of God is so that we might, in both of those instances, be engaging your heads and your hearts because you need both. You need both engaged. And many times as Christians, we're either top-heavy with head and low on heart or top-heavy on, on heart and low on head. It's hard to keep the balance. Many churches are that way. You can go to many churches where they're very much head-oriented but not a lot of heart, and there's other churches where it's very much heart-oriented and not a lot of head. What we try to do here is maintain that balance because God wants us to maintain that balance. And here's why it's important to always be engaging our heart as well as our head. Because what he was sharing was coming from his heart. And the heart is where our decisions and choices are made as a human being. That's why the heart is so important to God. That's why God says, give me your heart out of the heart are all the issues of life. And see, faith and belief and trusting in God is a choice. It is an act of the will. It has very little to do with our head. That's why many Christians, we can know the verses. 
We can know what God says in our head and yet fail to follow through with it or to trust him or to believe it or whatever because that's the matter for our heart, not our head. Our head can know it, but our heart still has to choose to believe it, to trust in it, you see. And that's why it's so important that when Caleb came back, he was sharing what was in his heart, the trust, the belief, the faith that he had in God. He says, yes, there are giants in the land, but our God's greater. Our God's greater. In fact, the reason why Caleb was such a great servant of God was because he always carried with him the concept of God's greatness. He was able to do great things for God because he believed and trusted and, and had faith in a great God. That's why. Not because he had faith and trust and belief in himself, but who his God was. That's what enabled him to do great things. And so you and I not only need to be willing to have a different spirit in us, but we also need to develop a trusting heart because again, faith and belief is a choice and act of the will. It's a matter of our heart, not our head. That's why even Christians can know what the word of God says and obviously not do it. Because we know what God's word says, but our heart's not there. See, God needs both. We need to fill our heads with truth but we also need God to work on our heart so that our heart is willing to comply or align with what God says and what God's teaching us and what we are learning from God. Both head and heart. And Caleb had a trusting heart. Notice he also had a steadfast commitment. A steadfast commitment. He says in verse 8, My countrymen who accompanied me frightened the people. That's so sad. Whenever God's people are putting fear into other God's people, that's exactly what happened during that generation. Instead of being driven by faith and being fueled by the greatness of their God, they allowed fear to creep into their hearts and minds and lives. And that fear then was transferred onto others. They were influencing other people of God to fear like they fear. You see, that kind of influence. But notice, Caleb says, but I remained loyal to the Lord my God. I had a steadfast commitment. I was wholly devoted. I wholly followed. Back to Numbers 14, I was wholehearted in my commitment to the Lord. In fact, this is such an important point that it's emphasized throughout Joshua 14, even by others. Notice Moses said about Caleb in verse 9, Surely the land on which you walked will belong to you and your descendants permanently, for you remain loyal to the Lord your God. That was the testimony even from Moses about Caleb. You remain devoted. You wholly followed him. And then look at what Joshua says about Caleb in verse 14. 
So Hebron remains the assigned land of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this very day because he remained loyal to the Lord God of Israel. Three times in chapter 14 of Joshua, that phrase is used because it speaks about his steadfast commitment. When other people of God weren't willing to go forward and possess all that God had for them, Caleb was. In fact, Caleb, you could even say, was the salmon being willing to swim upstream, which sort of takes us back to being willing to be different. When, when all of God's people were, were falling away or, or not moving forward, Caleb just kept going forward with his God. And that's hard. It's hard to remain loyal when there's so much disloyalty all around you. It, it's hard to remain steadfastly committed to God whenever you look around and see so many other Christians or people of God who aren't. Not a lot of, you know, encouragement and support and, you know, spiritual fire around you. So that really takes, you know, that, that special fire for God that self-motivation, if you will, inside of a person to be able to continue to go forward when others aren't. And listen, why this is so relevant to us is the Bible tells us in the last days there will be a great falling away, a great apostasy from God's people. They will fall away from God. They will fall away from the church. They will fall away from his word and from the worship of God. And so how, again, more important and more timely is it for God to say to us, his people today, in spite of the fact of all those who are falling away around you, I need you to keep pressing forward. I need you to have that steadfast commitment and remain loyal to me and faithful to me in the midst of a bunch of unfaithfulness. But that's what Caleb was. That's what made him stand out. A different spirit, a trusting heart, and a steadfast commitment. Notice then in verse 10, something else about Caleb was his incredible patience. And can I add the word long-suffering here? Notice what Caleb says. So now look, the Lord has preserved my life just as he promised these past 45 years since the Lord spoke these words to Moses during which Israel traveled through the wilderness. Now look, I'm now 85 years old. Now think about what Caleb is saying and what he had to go through. Because again, God has a personal plan and purpose for us, but God also has a corporate plan and purpose for us. He wants us to be part of something bigger than ourselves. We are part of a community, which means what each of us does affects the other. It's just that way. So now think about it. Caleb has had to, in a sense, delay his going into the promised land because of all the other people. Not because of him. He had the faith to go in 40 years earlier. The reason he has to wander around with all these people is not because of him, it's because of them. Wow. I think about that every once in a while as a pastor of this church. I don't want to be the one to hold us back from where God wants us to get to. 
I don't want to be the one as part of us that when we get there, God would have said, I could have taken you a lot further, a lot faster, but you held us back. I don't want to be that one. And yet we have to come to the sobering reality that that's just the way it is when we are part of a community of believers. And sometimes those Caleb's who are part of something bigger than themselves have their reward delayed but never forfeited. Because notice, Caleb says, God preserved my life. I didn't have to give up the earthly reward that God had for me because he was going to give it to me. It was just going to be delayed. I just needed the patience to wait on it. And Caleb had that incredible patience to wait on the Lord to open up that reward for him once and for all, once that other generation ran away. Listen, if God has an earthly reward for you, you'll get it. You'll get it. You, you won't have to forfeit it. It just might be delayed. But here's the cool thing. This is even better. The best rewards and blessings that God has for his people are always those that are waiting for us in eternity. Because the blessings that, the, the blessings that God gives us here because he gives us them here are only going to be temporary. That's why God saves and reserves the best blessings and the best rewards for his people in heaven because that way they're eternal. They're eternal. You remember that. Sometimes when you're discouraged, God's reward for you and your service and your life and your ministry, it may be delayed, but it's never going to be forfeited if you're a faithful follower of his. He'll make sure you get what you deserve in that sense, you see as a faithful servant of the Lord. Incredible patience. 45 years he waited for this day. And like I said, long-suffering too. He could have gotten very bitter, right, against all those other people. He could have looked around every day and said, I'm not in the promised land like I could be or should be because of you. He could have had a very bitter resentful, unforgiving spirit towards all of those people around him. He could have pointed to them every day and said, I'm not in the promised land yet because of you. But he, he wasn't that way. Because anyone who's received God's grace is gracious to others. Anyone who truly sees God for who he is sees ourselves for who we are, and we don't treat others that way. We understand that we're just as much in need of the grace of God as they are. And Caleb, I think, was hoping that during that 40 years of wandering, that he could be used to be a difference and to be an influence on the next generation to come. And guess what? He was. He was. Instead of complaining and griping and, and, and you know, coming under the fact that he was part of the generation that had to wander, he realized, but during that 40 years too, people were having babies and young people and whatever, and he could be an influence on that next generation so that even later on in life, when he was 85 years old, he could lead the charge with Joshua into the promised land. Incredible patience. Three more I'd like to share with you this morning. Look at verse 11. I love this. Caleb says, he's 85, right? Today I'm still as strong. I'm still as stout and mighty as when Moses sent me out 45 years earlier. 
I can fight. I love that. He was willing and able to fight and go about his daily activities with the same energy I had then. There's no diminishing, even in his physical abilities and faculties. So notice what he says in verse 12. Now assign me, Joshua, the hill country, the heights, which the Lord promised me at that time. No doubt you heard at that time that the Anakites, the giants, still live in those large fortified cities. I want that. Which brings us to the next quality of Caleb, an insatiable drive. Caleb had an insatiable drive in his life. He's 85 years old. He could have been like a lot of people, you know, down through history, a lot of even Christians down through history. Like, by the time we get to that point, I'm just sliding for home. Nope, not Caleb. There's not a complacent bone in his body. He's like, not, not only I want my part, he's like, I want the highest part. I want the most difficult part to occupy. That's the heights. I want the mountains. I don't want the valleys. I don't want the easy. I want the heights. And I want the heights where the giants still live. Man, you want to talk about the kind of person, the quality of person that God can use? and that God wants to set forth as an example to motivate and inspire his people, it's people like Caleb. And God is still looking for Caleb's today. Men and women who are willing to have a different spirit, a trusting heart, a steadfast commitment, an incredible patience, and an insatiable drive. Never satisfied with where we are always pressing forward, always knowing there's more of God to experience and God has more for us to experience. And we never just sit down and go, I've, I've grown enough. I'm, I'm a mature enough Christian. I, I've, I've grown enough. I don't need to learn more about the Bible. I don't need to be a, become a, a a better worshiper of God. I don't need to increase my prayer life. I don't need to witness and, and become a, a more effective witness for God. No, I'm, I'm good with where I'm at, and I'm going to sit down for the rest of my life. That was never Caleb. As I've said to you before, Caleb died with his boots on. And that's the way I think God wants all of us to go out. Listen, to me, there is nothing biblical about spiritual retirement. You want to retire physically from your job, your occupation, that's between you and God, but you'll find nothing in the Bible about spiritual retirement, about just getting to a certain point and then just sort of like, eh, I'm just... There's no support for spiritual retirement in the Bible. And that was Caleb. Caleb went after it all through his life. Two more, a genuine humility. Caleb was a genuinely humble person. Notice even after he says to Joshua, you give me the heights, you give me where the, the, the land of the giants are, he says, but assuming the Lord is with me, I will conquer them as the Lord promised. Now, the phrase, assuming the Lord is with me, is not implying doubt on Caleb's part. It's rather implying humility. He's simply saying, I need God. <laughs> I, I, 
I, I need to depend and rely on God. I can't do this on my own. But if God is with me, then there's no doubt. So he's basically saying, even though I've walked with God wholeheartedly all these years and I'm 85 and I've got all this life experience and got all this spiritual maturity, I still need the Lord just as much today as I ever did. And that expresses that genuine humility. We talked about that last week when we looked at Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us worship. In that psalm where the psalmist tells us what worship really is, let's bow down, bow down, bow down three times in that one verse. Because without true humility, you can't worship God. But yet we also learned last week that the more then I humble myself before God, the more God exalts me. The more I lift him up, the more I exalt him, the more I put him up there, the more God lifts me up. That's the way of God. That's why Jesus said those that exalt themselves will be humbled, but those that humble themselves before me will be what? Exalted. Exalted. And he used the parable of the Pharisee and the publican in Luke's gospel to illustrate that. See, the way up in God's kingdom is down. The more we humble ourselves and recognize our need of God and, and that we need to depend and rely on God at all times, the more God lifts us up. A genuine humility. And then one final one, an unwavering confidence. An unwavering confidence because he says in verse 12, assuming the Lord is with me, notice, I am will conquer them, just as the Lord promised. I will. He doesn't say, I won't. He doesn't say, I can't. He says, I will, because I know that the Lord is with me. I mean, that, to me, is the Old Testament equivalent of what Paul says in Romans chapter 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? That's basically what Caleb is saying. If God is with me in this, I will conquer. I will take possession of all that God has for me. I don't care if there's giants there. I don't care how high it is. I is 85 years old. I will do it because God will be the one to do it through me. God will enable me. God will empower me. And he had that unwavering confidence I can, I will. So many Christians, we live our lives at times with, I won't, instead of I will. God wants to see his people respond to him, I will, not I won't. Or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Not I can't. There should not be any I won't to God's or I can't to God's, but I wills and I can. And that's where God wants to get all of us today. I don't know what struggles you're going through, what trials, what obstacles, what challenges, but I know this, God wants all of us to respond in those moments just like Caleb did. I will. There is nothing in front of us that you 
and God can't conquer just like Caleb. I don't care how big the giants, I don't care how high the heights. If God is with you, you can. And God wants you to leave this place today knowing you can and you will, just like Caleb did. And so notice, it says, Joshua then prayed and asked God to empower Caleb and assigned him Hebron. Does that ring a bell with those of you that are going through our study on Wednesday night in Genesis? Where was the first place Abraham bought land for to bury his wife Sarah? It was where? In Hebron. Notice, Caleb's going right back to where it all began, and that becomes his land. In fact, notice, it says, so Hebron now remains a sign, the land of Caleb, to this very day because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord God of Israel. In fact, Hebron used to be called the land of the giants. And now it's called the land of Caleb because he had an unwavering confidence in God. He never said he couldn't. He said, I can. He never said, I won't. He said, I will. We need Caleb's today in the church. We need those who are willing to have a different spirit, a trusting heart, a steadfast commitment, an incredible patience, an insatiable drive, a genuine humility, and an unwavering confidence in God. And again, how could Caleb accomplish such great things? because he knew and believed in a great God. That's why we've sung so much about how great God is. Because you and I will never possess all that God has for us, personally or corporately, if we get our eyes off of who our God is. If our God is too small. But the more our God is exalted and magnified, the bigger our God is, the more you and I will be able to do in life because we will be viewing everything through the prism of our God. And that's where God wants to get all of his people today. We all can be a Caleb. But you know what that comes back to, right? Our heart. Because it's about our choice. God won't force us to be a Caleb. God says, it's up to you. You can know in your head, I can do this. But your heart still has to be willing to trust and believe because it's out of our heart where our decisions and choices are made. And we can know all the things we need to know up here about God in our head and yet never follow the Lord like Caleb did. Because Caleb wasn't just a head guy, he was a head and heart guy. And you and I have to be willing to be head and heart people, to meet God with our minds and love him with all of our mind and also to love God with all of our heart. That was Caleb. That's what set him apart. Do you desire to be a Caleb today? We need Caleb's today. Would you stand with me? As our worship team comes I want to challenge us today. We're going to sing again about how great our God is, that he's greater and higher and bigger 
than anything imaginable. Because I want us to leave this place so filled in our hearts and our heads with how great God is that there's nothing in front of us that we don't think we can and that we will. That we will have the same attitude that Caleb had. I will conquer. I will overcome this giant. I will take those heights because my God is higher and greater than anyone or anything else in this universe. And he's with me. And if he's with me, then nothing can stand in my way. Amen? Amen. Father God, yes. Father God, I pray today that your glory would fall upon us, your people. And that, God, we would be so impressed with your greatness, God, that we would charge ahead and climb any mountain and face any giant, God, knowing that we can overcome because, Lord, there's no one or nothing greater than you. Inspire us, God. Motivate us today, God, through the story and life of Caleb, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.